0: Hi, everyone, and welcome to Gay A, a podcast about sobriety for the LGBT plus community and our allies. I'm your host, Steve Bennett Martin. I am an alcoholic, and I'm grateful for embracing my sexuality and recovery. As of this recording, I am a 627 days sober. And today we're welcoming back friend of the pod, Frank, to talk about sex and recovery. Welcome back, Frank.
1: Hello. Thank you, Thank you for having me back. It's, it's really great to be here.
0: Yes. And I know it feels like just yesterday that we were on getting to know you better. But why don't you reintroduce yourself for listeners who might have missed your first episode?
1: Sure. So a little bit of background. I am nearly eleven and a half years sober and I um it's you know, it's it really does feel like I was just here. It's it's funny how just in the last like year or two, you know, coming out of the pandemic, how just everything is sort of back to this wild speed that things are. And, you know, but yet here we are months later and uh, yeah, still sober, still doing the thing. And also grateful to embrace my sexuality in recovery.
0: Yes, wonderful. Yes, and we started talking about it on Instagram and then I quickly realized that this would make a great episode. But in your opinion, why out of all the things we could talk about now, would you choose sex?
1: Well, I really feel like and I think it's gotten better, but I still feel that it's just not talked enough about in recovery and and how in recovery myself, people, we can be sober sluts in recovery without feeling shame, you know? And I feel like having a space where we feel comfortable to share and be is very important because otherwise we may hide what we're doing, which I find to be very unhealthy. recovery not just with sexual things but in general like if we're not being open about what we're doing you know from my experience those things can lead down kind of crazy paths yeah
0: and which came first for you sex or alcohol and drugs
1: sex came first for me that was probably one of my first outlets of acting out At a very young age of either thirteen or fourteen, and finding alcohol about a year later, but it was immediately off to the races for me when it with the sex. Like it was immediately that sort of first experience that I had. I wanted more immediately, and you know, and that consistent sort of pattern of what pattern of wanting more has just continued. You know, and it's not just related to those things, but things in general, from shopping, eating. I always want more.
0: (laughs) Yes, I I definitely suffer from the disease of more as well. But with sex, especially coming like so quickly or like around the time that like alcohol like introduced, was introduced into your life, how do you feel they played a role with each other?
1: So for me, I drank, I drank a long time before I ever used drugs. And so having seen sort of, both of those sort of outlets. You know, drinking what sex looked like for me when I drank, I was a blackout drinker. So it was mainly piecing the bits of the puzzle together the next day, trying to figure out did I have sex last night? My door was kind of left open and my clothes are in kind of a disarray or, you know, things of that nature, or, or like I can't find my underwear, I'm not wearing underwear or clothes, but I have no idea how I got here, you know, so that was kind of what it looked like when I drank. And then that was sort of the the opposite when I started to use hard drugs, you know, and again, I have a pattern of um all in or nothing, you know. So when I drank, it was the hardest, and when I started using drugs, the first drug I did was crystal, and it was me to after the races. So with using drugs, I remember every single thing for the most part of what I did and what I was doing from a sex point of view. It was just a lot more sex. I can have a lot more sex when I'm using drugs than when I'm drinking. And, you know, but those things were so deeply intertwined that I had no idea how to be a sexual person when I came into recovery because of how deeply wound up those things were uh, together. More so, even more so with drugs than alcohol, because using drugs allowed me to be sexual in a way that I surely could not be when I was drunk.
0: Yeah, I can really, especially with the the alcohol, especially like back in my college days, that there were that those nights where I was like, there was no way I was able to give consent, but I was like, did I have sex? Like, it feels like I had sex. I think I had sex, but I, I, you know, I don't have any memory of it, and it was never a good feeling. And you think that that would have me stop, but instead, I just kept going.
1: Totally the same. I mean, I would, you know, sort of like look around, try to figure out little pieces, you know, like. They're like lube bottles around or, you know, checking, you know, checking around, you know, on myself, like, you know, are there any, are there any fluids on me? You know, like, it was always, you know, a puzzle of like, what did I do?
0: Yeah, I don't miss that puzzle. (laughs) Um, Mm -hmm. And then, you know, especially with drugs and sex kind of going so intertwined, what was it like untangling that in recovery?
1: Untangling that in recovery was, for me, was taking the suggestion of putting those things on the shelf. And um, I originally got sober in Chicago, and and so it it was one of those strong suggestions that I'm not telling you to do this, but <laughs> I strongly recommend you do this. It's like okay, I I I understood, and you know, but there were parts of that that I did not understand, and that in that moment and in that headspace, I was sort of like, I really don't understand why I have to do this, but I'm going to do it anyway. I'm going to put this on the shelf and revisit it, you know, and and that's what he did. Like I really did not do. I didn't dive into really anything sexual and definitely not anything romantic in that first year of sobriety. And, you know, sort of what those thoughts look like several years in recovery is, oh, I had no business putting anyone in sort of my path during that time. I had no fucking idea, like, who I was or what I wanted. And I surely had no business of uh, involving anyone in that while I figured out who I was because... Coming into the rooms, I had no idea who I was or what I wanted. You know, when it came to sexual ideal deals or sort of the dream partner, like I had no concept of that. And so, I really had to do the work to figure that out before involving anyone else into those pictures.
0: Yeah, and after doing all of that work, when did you feel or how did you know you, when you were ready to dip your toe back out there again?
1: I mean, I guess for me, like one of the big things was very much the opposite of sort of the actions that I took when I was using is I really started to ask questions, getting back out there. I sort of eased my way back into even using apps and things of that. Um, I uh, also, for me, one of the big things I surrounded myself, I knew that I wanted to be very much still be a very social person in bars and things of like that. And so I knew of a group of sober people with time in Chicago who enjoyed being in those spaces, who like going out, they liked going to dance clubs and bathhouses. And and so I really started to sort of hang around those individuals and start to just kind of get comfortable in those spaces. And I really accredit that for being where I am today and being very much comfortable in a bar setting without having any desire to drink or use drugs.
0: Yeah. And especially when you find yourself in those situations, when do you know that like when to call it quits or when to go home versus when, you know, all (laughs) green lights, ships, you know, ready to go.
1: Yeah. So, you know, one of the, one of the tools that I learned from that group of individuals was sort of bookending. You know, if we were in sort of a bathhouse situation, you know, a lot of times we would get split up and, you know, quite possibly not reconnect post-event, if you will. And so, you know, it really was about informing where I was going. And then if I was separated from this group of people, checking in, All of us checking in at the end of the night when we got home, being like, I made it home. I'm still sober. I'm going to bed, you know, and sort of just getting into sort of that habit and and just kind of going from there. And, you know, the for me, like when I'm out, it's really just listening to my gut. And I just know it's kind of hard to describe, but I know from my gut when it's time to go, you know, it's, you know, could be something where I'm getting I find myself getting annoyed. I do have a very low t- tolerance for overly drunk individuals. And so that can really push my buttons. And, and so I know this about me and I know that when those buttons start getting pushed, that it's like that for me, it's like, it's time to go home. Yeah. It's no longer fun. It's time to go home.
0: Yeah, I can, I can imagine. Yeah, I'm lucky that my my husband isn't much of a, a drinker. He was always one of those like weirdos that could have like half a glass and be okay leaving the rest over hours, which was insane to me. But so it like doesn't really enter a relationship. But I can imagine like if I was single and out there, like how much like of a turnoff it could be to just like being with someone who's like getting drunk or like
1: yeah yeah. yeah. And and like you, like my my ex-husband was sort of the same, was very much a social drinker with someone who could leave half a glass of wine on the table and be perfectly fine, which I, too, I always found that so fascinating that one could do that. Yeah. that was definitely not that was not the case for me. There was nothing left in that glass when I was drinking.
0: <laughs> yeah. And even being in a relationship, I've learned that it's like I talk about sex and communicate with my partner, like my husband more now in like recovery than I ever did before. Have you experienced like communication improving or changing with the way you approach sex?
1: Oh, absolutely. Communication is key for sure that I find, you know, I am very direct I'm direct about my HIV status right away. I make it known that I am not I don't use drugs. I'm sober You know, like those are things like right off the bat, especially depending on the time of night. You know, there's sort of this bewitching hour between 2 and 3 a.m. where sort of things shift, you know, if you will. And so I've learned that if I'm sort of cruising for sex post 2 a.m., you know, it turns into a very different crowd. And so it's probably best to sort of shut the door on that and go to bed versus continuing that <laughs> i was gonna say my, uh,
0: my eyes are popping out of my head just because i'm like an old married person so the idea of being up at that time let alone being up <laughs> for dick like i'm just like i love my sleep so much that like i can't i can imagine even if i was single like still i'd be like i'm the type would go to bed at 10 or 11 like if if i was up at 3 4 i'd rub it out and go back to bed like there's no <laughs> need to hit app well, at that time <laughs> Yes.
1: Well, and I mean, honestly, that's probably the best thing that one could do because, yeah, I have found that most most of the the crowds at that point are, are moving on to other things. And so, yes, probably rubbing one out is probably the most ideal thing that one could do as a sober individual. But, you know, I mean, I, in recovery, like I, I have done, you know, things in like bars, like being out to five, five, six o'clock in the morning sober, which, you know, I definitely do not do, do those evenings very often. But, you know, it is experiences like that when they do happen, it's like, oh, I can do this sober, you know, if I want, if I choose and, and have a great time. And um, I always find it funny that even at this stage in my life, like I still find myself getting comfortable in ways that I never imagined. And, you know, I love to go out and I love to have fun. I always find it funny when I'm out dancing, having a really great time. And more than once someone has said to me, like how much have you had to drink? And I'm like, I have had nothing to drink. And they're just like mind blown that I'm able to like be on the dance floor getting wild and crazy without having anything in me, you know, substance wise or, or alcohol. And, you know, and I always usually follow it up with like, imagine when I did drink and use drugs, like, if you think that's wild and crazy, imagine when I was using substances.
0: (laughs) Yeah. And speaking of wild and crazy, what's it been like exploring your boundaries and your body and positivity with sex?
1: It has been it has been a journey. I have found that you know when I was when I was using drugs and things of like that like I really didn't I really had one function and that was to bottom because I knew that that worked and I was able to make that work. I really didn't know other body parts really worked mm-hmm. uh, then, and so you know I was strictly one sided. And you know, sort of the beauty of of being sober. Over the years, like I realized, like, oh, these other parts work in ways that I never really used use them. Yeah. And so <laughs> go figure. It's amazing. You know, the things one discovers when you, you know, aren't using drugs and things of like that. And so, you know, I find in my 30s that I've become much more versatile and much more open minded with sex and being comfortable in not just being on the bottom but also topping or flipping or things of that which uh in return open a whole nother door of sort of adventures that you know i can allow myself to go sort of back and forth when depending on you know sort of what i'm feeling and not be so constricted to sort of like one avenue if you will which has been really amazing and you know i uh was married at one point in my 30s, got divorced. One of the things that I learned in that, you know, when it comes to sex, being a very sort of organic person that when it comes to sex and being very open-minded, kink-friendly and all of those things in that relationship, I sort of put all those things in a box and thought I could just put a lid on it and put it in the corner and like, forget about it. Well, surprised like that, those things don't go away. <laughs> just because you get into a relationship and think that you could just put a lid on it and be done with it. And, you know, that was sort of one of the things that I sort of learned the hard way in that relationship that I'm probably best fitted for an open relationship, you know, going forward, which was really an ideal that I learned out of that. And, you know, coming out of that relationship, getting a lot more comfortable in my skin and in my body and spaces And, you know, I don't have the dream gym body that, you know, is splashed across every page in America and globally at that point, for that matter, you know, like, that's not my body type, but, you know, over the years, it's just getting comfortable, like uh, putting on the bikini and just going out, you know, like for me, like, that's how I do it. Like by doing the thing, like, that's the only way that I get comfortable. And you look good
0: doing it, might I add.
1: <laughs> Thank you. You know, I mean, do you agree? Like, I think half the battle is like doing the thing, putting on the short shorts or the skimpy outfit or whatever the thing is, and just going out.
0: <laughs> yeah, I definitely do the thing. I mean, I realized that like at my last at last year's GSM, like, which was like my first real like roundup or conference, and. I was like, I had so many different outfit options. And like, I went with the skimpiest one each time. And it was just like, just learning to be comfortable in my body. Cause it's like, I might not be everybody's type, but I'll be someone's type. And that person is going to be like bonkers for me. And so I just have to find that one person. It's not a matter of like finding a million people.
1: Totally. And, and that's sort of the beauty of it. It's just, you know, allowing yourself to be comfortable and, and just owning who you are, and yeah, it's like, I don't seek other people's approval for, like, for what I'm doing or what I'm wearing, and, you know, if someone isn't comfortable with what I'm wearing, it's kind of like, oh, well, it's not, it's not my problem, Yeah, you know, and I love, I love when I travel, and I'm very unapologetically myself, anywhere that I go, for the most part, and, you know, and I love, I love when I see how I make someone uncomfortable, Mm -hmm. you know, because, that you know there's just something to be said about that of just owning who you are and being yourself and and just seeing sort of like others who are uncomfortable with that, you know, which is a sign of like something within their own selves that they need to figure out, and that's not my problem. I'm going to be me, and you know maybe in some shape or form that you know myself being myself will help another individual, who knows, but <laughs>
0: Yeah. And one thing, especially back when I was like out on the scene and single and drinking that I never said no, like, do you have more, like not only better communication, but like more ideals and boundaries in place when it comes to your wants and your needs and what that looks like now?
1: Yes, absolutely. You know, doing through a a lot of that really has come through step work, writing out the sex inventories writing out the sex ideals and the, and the partners, giving myself a better idea of what I want, what I want and what I don't want in a partner, which is very much the opposite of before sobriety. And, um, and so, yeah, so, you know, I, I tend to try to be as organic as possible when it comes to more. So I guess with sort of a dating from a dating point of view, Mm -hmm. I try I try not to put a lot of sort of, I try not to constrict uh, sort of those parameters, if you will, and just try to be sort of as open as possible, you know, because I find when I start, when I start writing out, like, even more specifically of like looking for something very specific, that, you know, I may end up missing out on something that may be worth exploring.
0: Yeah, excellent. And describe one of your favorite sober sexual encounters.
1: Well, favorite, favorite sexual encounters. So that for me, like in recovery tends to, tends to change quite frequently depending on sort of um, timing or, you know, where I've been uh, in that year. And so, you know, I would say for me, like one of, one of my favorite was recently I was in Puerto Varta and it was my first time in Mexico. I ended up going to the first half of Beef Dip, which is one of the biggest bear weeks in the world, completely by accident. I had no idea when I booked those dates that that was happening. And that place in general was a magical place where I truly felt comfortable in my skin across the board, like within the, the local community and everything. But from a sexual point of view, I mean, I sort of had group sex in the cave, didn't know that that was like a a box to sort of check, but, you know, check the box of having- I was going to hot...
0: say, I'm, I'm adding it to my bucket list right now. <laughs> yes.
1: Having hot magical sex in a cave. Sure. I had no idea, you know, so, like that. And, uh, you know, and that experience, like across the board from like top to bottom, I really had the varied uh, experiences from being submissive to being- dominating it really was just a section from a sexual point of view like that trip was i had just so many amazing sexual experiences and you know and just some that i just didn't even know that were even out there to do <laughs>
0: <laughs> excellent we'll have to talk more about that later <laughs> do you have any advice for someone listening if they're struggling with connecting with their sexual side in recovery
1: Sure. So I would say give yourself time to heal. If you're new to recovery or coming back, just really give yourself the time, do the work to separate the the past from the future and to take a break from those things and really discover your ideals.
0: Perfect. And any last words of wisdom?
1: I would just say, you know, have fun. I Me, mean, like just... Yeah, really just have fun and explore and, you know, check in with yourself and just let loose and have a good time. You know, put sobriety first and after that, you know, just enjoy yourself.
0: Perfect, Wonderful. And how can our listeners find you if they wanted to get in touch with you?
1: Sure. So you can find me on the Instagram at manyourstyle. That's M-A-N-Y-O-U-R-S-T-Y-L-E at Man Your Style.
0: Perfect. Excellent. Well, thank you so much, Frank.
1: Thank you for having me.
0: Yes, and stick around for our post-show where Patreon family members can head on over to patreon.com backslash gay A and hear us talk more about our experiences with sex and recovery. Meanwhile, if you're interested in sharing your story or just saying hi, the email away at gayapodcast at gmail.com or on Instagram at gayapodcast. And be sure to follow us wherever you're listening so you can get these new episodes when they come out every Thursday. Until next time, stay sober, friends.